Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your son Jesus came to us in great humility so that on the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. This season of Advent celebrates God's presence, God breaking into the world. This, this season has kind of two viewpoints, one that looks back to humanity, longingly anticipating the birth of Christ the Messiah as a humble baby in Bethlehem. The other side of Advent looks forward to what's sometimes called the perusia or what we more often know as the second coming of Christ when the same Jesus will return. Return to rule with compassion and power. Listen now for the word of God is written by the prophet Jeremiah. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. That's our reading from the prophet. In our reading from Luke's gospel, Jesus tells the disciples and us of things to come. These verses are from a, a section that's concerned with calamity and redemption and readiness. The speaker is Jesus and the setting, the setting is the temple. This chapter 21 tells us that every day Jesus was teaching in the temple and at night he would go out and spend the night on the Mount of Olives as it was called. And all the people would get up early in the morning to listen to him in the temple. Now earlier in this chapter, Jesus and his disciples, they were talking about the temple and Jesus said, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. Now if you think of our, our rock houses and such, I advise you to take a look at Look at the pictures of the stones that made up that temple. You couldn't get them in this, well, even if you took off one end of the building, you couldn't get them in the sanctuary. They were huge. But not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. So the disciples ask, when's this going to happen? And Jesus moved from talking of the destruction of the temple to talking about something something much bigger, the end of this age. So now let us listen to what Jesus said in Luke 21, starting at the 25th verses. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life and that they catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Oh Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you have, do you have the strength to escape and to stand to stand before Jesus Christ? Well, before we get to those questions, I have a little confession. Something that I posted on Facebook last week got me in a little bit of trouble. A little, well, at least warm water, not too hot, I guess. <laughs> now, no, I didn't reveal <clears throat> somebody's real age, and I didn't say bad, use bad language or poke fun at somebody's politics. I said something about Christmas. Here's what I did. I posted a picture that had two halves of a circle. On the left was half a wreath. And on the right was a thorn of, a, a crown of thorns. This is the season. This is the reason. Well, you've got the picture. <laughs> And the words I posted is, we remember the manger because of the cross. We remember the manger because of the cross. Now, almost 70 people clicked on some version of the like button. But then, then there were the comments. One person responded, the blood atonement theory doesn't sit well with me. I prefer the moral example. Okay. A lady said, I'd rather celebrate and try to live by Jesus and his good work than all that suffering. And another person said, and something that would fit on a bumper sticker, they said, bumper sticker mentality is good for some, not me. Well, I shouldn't be too sensitive about really so few critical remarks out of the 10,000 people who follow that Facebook page. But all these people claim to be what the page title is, 
happy to be Presbyterian. There's a lot of not happy gets posted, I guess. Well, and yet, they're happy to be Presbyterian and have Reformed doctrine and all that, and yet, they just want the happy parts of the Jesus story. It's kind of like some of the commercial music I've heard, and you have too. I heard one last week that had the first part, joy to the world. But they wanted to leave off the next line, the Lord is come. They want what the theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer might call cheap grace. Well, you and I, we can, we can be like that too. Like the world around us, we're ready for Christmas, but we're, we're not so big on Advent. After all, it's a time of waiting, and who likes to wait? And yet, in its wisdom, the church has structured the church year by having a season of waiting come before the two most important days in the church calendar, Christmas and Easter. And by the way, both those times of waiting, those times of preparation, both of them have that same liturgical color, purple, to remind us that those both Lent and Advent are similar in, in that they are times of waiting and preparation. So the other thing that the church does on this first Sunday of Advent they set before us scripture readings not about Mary and Joseph preparing a nursery and choosing a stroller and maybe a daycare center. None of that. Not about making a donkey journey into Bethlehem. Not about having to camp out in a barn with animals. No. What, what we have here are some words from the prophet Jeremiah and then from Jesus. From Jesus, an apocalyptic vision of cosmic distress. Talk of end times. And a parable, something about a fig tree. Well, let's look closer at the two parts of our reading from Luke in which Jesus is responding to a question that disciples had asked earlier and, and that we asked today. Teacher, when will this be and what will be the sign that's about to take place? The first four verses we read from, from Luke speak of heavenly signs and earthly trauma in anticipation of the coming of the Son of Man, that is, Jesus. The signs include the notions and tumult of people, of people fainting, fainting from fear and foreboding. It's a scary time, a dangerous time, a time of fear and trembling, a time of things to escape. And yet Jesus does not say, fall down and beg for mercy. He does not say quake with fear of terrifying events. No. He says, when these things begin to happen, stand up. Raise your heads. Because your redemption, your redemption is drawing near. Now, basic to our human condition is that you and I, we're, we're in bondage to. We're slaves to sin. And we're unable to save ourselves. It's not possible. As Paul wrote in Romans 3, since we have all sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, we are now justified by his grace as a gift through, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We do not need to cower in fear. We can have confidence. We can stand up and raise our heads. Now the next Seven verses in our reading explain how these 
these different signs should be understood as part of God's program of redemption and calling Jesus' followers to readiness and to faithfulness. These verses point to two conclusions. First, you can trust in God. And second, because we trust God, we are to be faithful no matter what. Now, our reading started with warnings of distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. But in such distress among the nations, we can be confident because we have faith, as the Psalms say, that God is our refuge and strength of very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake and the heart of the sea, though the, its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. And what about that fig tree? Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know summer's already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you'll know the kingdom of God is near. Just as you can see and feel and smell the change of seasons, you can sense the signs Jesus gave that tell us that the kingdom of God is near. And what do we do in the meantime as we wait? Well, the last three verses in that reading have some instruction for us. First, we're to be on guard so our hearts aren't weighed down with dissipation. Well, dissipation is just not one of those words you use every day, is it? How are you feeling? I got a little dissipation in my legumba. <laughs> no. And even if you look it up, and I did, the definitions don't really help you very much, but I think I can describe it in a way that makes sense. Dissipation is living, living like the prodigal son did, you know, when he went off and was and wasted all his daddy's, well, at least he lived that way as long as his daddy's money held out. <laughs> Profligacy, they say. Well, wild and riotous living. So we're to be on guard so our hearts aren't weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life that, that they would catch us unexpectedly, like a trap, because it's coming to all of us. Be alert. Praying so we can have strength. So we're to be alert and we're to pray. So let me ask you the question we started with. Do you have the, do you have the strength to escape and to stand, to stand before Jesus Christ? Well, remember, Advent, Advent is more than a season of waiting. Advent is a season of preparation. Advent is not about getting ready for Christmas. Advent is getting ready for Christ. Are you ready? He's coming. Thanks be to God. In this in-between time we live in, between the first coming of Jesus as a baby in Bethlehem and the second coming when we will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory, be alert. Watch for the signal. Wait in hope. Now may the love of God uphold you, the light of Christ guide you, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit fill you with joy.
now and forever.